Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me you can see our journalists' commemorative altar, but we are, of course, here for you all. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always wonderful to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, you will find details in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. The Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.
with you. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fifth Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of the church is governed and sanctified, hear our prayer which we offer for all your faithful people, that in their vocation and ministry they may serve you in holiness and truth to the glory of your name. Through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. I saw visions of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man, stand upon your feet, and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The people also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that there has been a prophet among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I wish to boast, I shall not be a fool, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. And to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages, teaching. And he called to him the twelve, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Where you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. And if any place will not receive you, and they refuse to hear you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet for a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you happen to be keen on major sporting events, you are certainly spoilt for choice at the moment. With the mounting excitement of Euro 2020, I should mention at this point that I'm recording this sermon before England's quarter-final match with Ukraine, so I don't yet know the outcome just as Wimbledon is revving up. And as has happened before, I'm finding myself fascinated to observe the strange relationship that can exist between sport, that most secular of activities, and religion. For example, one glimpses it in the momentary way in which the most unlikely of people can be observed using the language and gestures of prayer. One particularly poignant moment, prompted by the shock and alarm that we all felt, was when, in Denmark's opening match, the footballer Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch and nobody knew what was happening. Such incidents seem to trigger a primal need in even the most sceptical of us to reach out to some great cosmic force when our guard is down, 
in the face of something so frightening and bizarre and unexpected. Another rather more trivial kind of manifestation is one that I was reading about the other day, namely the strange rituals that some professional sportsmen and women perform and the superstitions that they observe before participating in major sporting events, such as the wearing of lucky socks or listening to a lucky piece of music. That kind of practice, characteristic of much folk religion, is really quite interesting. Because if you think about it, what lies behind such practices is a strange human conviction that if only we perform the right ritual in the right way and at the right time, or if only we have the right lucky charm or repeat the same pattern of behavior as we did last time things went well for us, then that will help us to obtain the result that we want, whether in a sporting event or a job interview or some other kind of important activity. Or perhaps it will help solve one of life's problems, find us a life partner, or resolve our infertility, or cure our warts. This kind of outlook emerges from a deep-seated human desire, perhaps a human yearning, to try to be in control, to be able to shape the world according to our own hopes, aspirations, and desires. Rationally, it makes very little sense at all. I mean, do any of us really believe that the choice of a pair of socks can determine the outcome of a Wimbledon match? But nevertheless, perfectly sane and rational people succumb to that kind of thing. Strange, isn't it? Now, of course, it has to be said that historically, Christian tradition has developed its own versions of this. You can see it in the cult of saintly relics, firmly believed to have special healing powers, or in the notion that there was a designated saint to whom you should pray for just about every eventuality. If you had a sore throat, it was St. Blaise. If you were suffering from arthritis, St. James the Great was the saint for you, and so on. But the reason that I find all this particularly fascinating is that it communicates a very peculiar view of the Christian faith, and one that seems to have very little to do with the life of discipleship as described in Scripture. Because faith is not about trying to take control. It's not about trying to predetermine outcomes to ensure that we get the things we want, nor is it a celestial insurance policy preventing bad things from happening to you. And all three of today's biblical readings make that very clear. In our Old Testament text from Ezekiel, we hear how the Spirit of God sets the prophet on his feet and charges him with a task that probably made his heart sink. He is to go and speak to an impudent and stubborn people 
some of whom will refuse to listen. Far from God rewarding his prophet with a comfortable life and granting him his wishes, Ezekiel is instead propelled into the very midst of challenge and indeed unpopularity. St. Paul, too, is charged with a commission for which he not only feels completely ill-equipped, but which will bring him insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And more than that, he describes how the ministry that he's able to exercise comes not out of his strength and ability, but the exact opposite because God uses his very weakness when working through him. Nor is Paul any model of saintly perfection. Endless ink has been spilt trying to establish precisely what Paul is referring to when he speaks about the thorn in his flesh. But ultimately, I'm not entirely sure that the detail matters. What counts is that, like us, he had his human struggles, his human weaknesses, his besetting problems, and God worked through him nevertheless. And all of this is drawn together in our gospel reading, in which the twelve disciples are sent out with nothing except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money. The reason for this was that, like St. Paul, they are to de be dependent upon nothing but God. They are to be in control of nothing, least of all, their own destinies. But that is how God works through them so powerfully. All this is about as far away from the kind of folk religion, or indeed the kind of prayer, that is all about us securing for ourselves the things and the outcomes and the solutions that we happen to want, as far from those things as it is possible to get. Faith is certainly no celestial insurance policy protecting you from bad things happening. Seen in this light, the Christian faith isn't a terribly attractive proposition, is it? And yet there is a glorious paradox here. The life of faith is not a method of getting God to do for us what we want, but rather it is a process of surrendering the superficial aspirations that we all cultivate and instead aligning ourselves with God in such a profound and remarkable way that we begin to discover for the first time who and what we really are to discover the deepest needs of our soul, needs that we didn't even realize that we had, and to find that those needs are met generously and graciously. But for that to be possible, we first have to learn to let go, to allow our hands to empty before we can receive the true riches of God's grace. When I was confirmed almost 40 years ago, one of my student housemates gave me as a confirmation gift an English translation of a book by Michel Coist called Prayers of Life. 
Coist was a French Catholic priest and was aged just 33 at the time of its initial publication. So the reflections it contains, which fall between the genre of poetry and prayer, have accompanied me through the whole of my Christian life. And I'd like to read you an extract from one of the pieces within that collection that is called simply All. For me, it sums up the experience of living with some of the truths I've been exploring today. In it, the young priest anguishes in a disarmingly honest way about how afraid he is of truly living the gospel. But what is most interesting of all is the answer that God gives to him in the closing line. Coist wrote this. This evening, Lord, I am afraid. I am afraid for your gospel is terrible. It is easy to hear it preached. It is relatively easy not to be shocked by it, but it is very difficult to live it. I am afraid of deluding myself, Lord. I am afraid of being satisfied with my decent little life. I am afraid of my good habits, for I take them for virtues. I am afraid of my little efforts, for I take them for progress. I am afraid of my activities. They make me think I am giving myself. I am afraid of my clever planning. I take it for success. I am afraid of my influence. I imagine that it will transform lives. I am afraid of what I give. It hides what I withhold. I am afraid, Lord. There are people who are poorer than I, not so well educated, housed, heated, fed, cared for, loved. I am afraid, Lord, for I do not do enough for them. I do not do everything for them. I should give everything. I should give everything till there is not a single pain, a single misery, a single sin in the world. I should then give all, Lord, all the time. I should give my life. Lord, it is not true, is it? It is not true for everyone. I'm exaggerating. I must be sensible. Son, there is only one commandment for everyone. You shall love with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And interestingly enough, the one characteristic of love, real love, is that it never, ever seeks to control. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Christ. 
We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray to God, by whose authority we are called to his service. Let us pray to God for the church in this place and around the world. For Sarah, our bishop, and for Alison and Jeff and their ministry to us. For our worldwide church community, those in this beautiful building, and also those who worship with us remotely, and especially today for our sisters and brothers in and from the US, celebrating Independence Day. God of grace, you fill your church with diverse gifts. Inspire all who teach and expound the scripture and fill us with a vision of your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray to God for the nations of the world, for Elizabeth, our Queen, and her government, and for all those who strive to make difficult decisions that affect all our lives. For the people of the Middle East. For those making perilous journeys in the hope of peace and freedom. For the work of our armed forces around the world, looking to maintain peace in our divided world. God of grace, give to all in authority the wisdom, grace and strength they need to fulfil their work and direct all nations in the ways of righteousness and truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray to God for those who have asked for or who need our prayers, for the sick, the anxious, the bereaved, for all who make life-changing decisions day by day as they allocate resources and tend to those in their care. We give thanks for all those in our health service, 
our doctors and nurses and those helping to support them, our social workers and health visitors, the staff in our care homes, and for all those who continue to put their own lives at risk during the pandemic, to help others. God of grace, pour out your healing spirit on all in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray to God for all who have died, all who are now approaching death. Be with them and with their relatives who may not be able to comfort them in person. Bring light to the darkness of death and rejoicing to the place of tears. God of grace, we entrust all who have died into the hope of your life and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of grace, we pray for ourselves. As we go from our worship today to start the week ahead, we ask that in all we do, in our calling to witness to you, we may walk more closely with you at our side, safe in the knowledge that your love and care knows no bounds. As we say together, merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your, holy, by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, 
so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we beseech you, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.